Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook, and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do in the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal, or extreme metal. Coming up on this month's show, the best of the catch-up of the remnants of 2020. Um, yeah, just going over what, what I've been... My favourite albums that I got round to after confirming my album of the year list at the end of 2020. Just going through them. They're from all over the year. Mostly September, I've realised, but it's it's just how it is. You set yourself up to have all these ambitions and they all come crashing down. So we're going to be looking at, at Protest the Hero's new album, Palimpsest. I think that's right. Uh, Alpha Wolf, A Quiet Place to Die. Silence is a Bomb by The Hawkins. Melted Bodies with Enjoy Yourself and Respire with black line and we'll also you know, do like a quick run through of the uh best of january 2021 playlist which is going to have these bands as well as every other album like remnant of 2020 album that i've been listening to because from here on out uh aside from the fallen limbs album that i want to catch up on Everything from now should be all about the brand new year, the year of our Lord, 2021. Hopefully a little bit less shit, but it's not it's not started that well. But I feel like the reason why 2020 felt so bad is because we had all these hopes and dreams and they all came smattering down. With 2021, we can only go up. You know, I've just watched the Arsenal Wolves game. It can only go up. It's not much further down we can go from there. But anyway, on to this month's proceedings. Remember, we are monthly now. I say we, me. It's monthly now. Um, I've got to try and do things to pay bills. And unfortunately, podcasting stuff comes secondary. Um, and also, I feel like I can get more out of a listening experience and a review experience by doing them monthly. It's, it's all boring. Uh, what's the word? admin stuff uh that no one cares about so let's get right into it album number one protest the hero with palimpsest i think i am pronouncing that right uh it is the fifth album from the whitby ontario canada natives it is their first album uh since 2013's volition uh they had a uh stopgap ep in the middle there 2016's pacific myth which I remember having a really weird uh, release trajectory. Were they doing it like every two songs behind a paywall and then they've released the whole thing as a whole thing anyways with a new pay amount. Not sure I got that right. I might just be making shit up. I've been known to do it. So whatever. Uh, this album came out in June last year. It's the first album with Mike Irati on drums and uh, the session bassist of Cam McLennan. Um, to me, growing up, Protest the Hero were always the really cool band. Um, so when I was getting into music, there was always like an underlying buzz uh, for Kezia, uh, or Kezia, whatever it's called, first album, and Fortress. Uh, and it was really at the point where Mathcore and bands of, like that world was really starting to eke into the mainstream for the first time. Uh, I know, obviously... 2010s we end up getting gent and the whole tech metal thing blew up from there but this was sort of like the first wave of tech stuff so bands like um 
Botch, Converge, Dillinger Escape Plan, they were sort of like early doors, and obviously they turned into the powerhouses of the genre. Um, but there are a lot of bands, so Norma Jean, Look What I Did, The Locust, uh, Protest the Hero, they were taking what those guys were doing with low uh, production and low budget and just trying to make it a bit more modern for the time. And Protest the Hero with Kezia and Fortress were always always the ones being talked about. They were the slightly alternative to the alternative because they set themselves apart with having a majority uh, clean vocal styles. Like, I, compared to all the other bands, a lot of them did harsh, very screen vocals. Uh, Look What I Did is the only one that I can think of at the top of my head who did use a lot more cleans, but I feel like they're still 50-50. Whereas Protest the Hero swicked off like 80, 20, 90, 10, something like that. Maybe even, nah, that was 900 because I listened to a song of Kazir the other day and it had a bit of the shouty shouts in the background. Um, and not only were they clean vocals, they had a very unique sounding vocalist in Roddy Walker. He is, for me, he's a very insane vocalist. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to when I spoke about Milk Teeth last month talking about how becky her accent comes through as she sings uh roddy has a similar sort of thing a lot i feel like a lot of his singing voice stems from just how he talks naturally and like his particular part of canada where he's from that accent bleeds through into a singing voice and i feel like um created quite an interesting and unique sounding vocal but i understand it's very marmite kind of sound um as much as they were like the cool kids as i was growing up and like the bubbling underground to people who didn't like them a lot of people went to uh roddy walker and i was like ah oh, maybe it's just that that group of people and as i've gotten older and i understand more about the band there's more there is more of that a lot of people either vibe a lot or can't vibe that much to walker and like i said i personally think it's really good it, it does make him sound he does have quite a unique sound to his voice and that it helps protest the hero uh, with their like widdly nature that they have just helps them set them apart a little bit further and it's actually roddy walker's vocals that caused well not called but you know uh, it it played a part in the delay between not only protest the hero albums um but protest the hero releases in general. In 2018, uh, Roddy, I can't remember. I, th I think it was like directly after the show. Roddy was complaining about like more discomfort than usual for having played a live set, and went to the doctors and they found out that he had uh, some vocal cord issues that, if weren't treated soon. And it wasn't treated as like a serious thing. It could have led to irreparable, irreparable damage that perhaps could have curtailed Protest the Hero forever. Um, or at least a walk-affronted Protest the Hero. Um, and, you know, fair play to him. Like, it took a lot of... I know EPs are quite hard to, like, maintain uh, momentum at the best of times. But not only were they, like, trying to hold on to momentum with the Pacific Myth EP going on from volition they now couldn't do anything because they had to you know health always comes first for anything 
and so they rehabbed it he got back to full health and then they got back to the studio and i think he sounds just as good as he did before like i feel like based on those early albums through to volition and into now it's that it still feels like a very um natural progression for his vocals and for his sound and for the energy and power he has in his vocals um like that first song the migrant mother that like huge notes that he hits in the choruses which i'll touch on a bit more in a bit but with the swell of the orchestrals in the background and him hitting those like massive notes it just oh it is goodish it is goodish i i love the i've spoken about it i don't know if it's like a symphonic metal thing or a power metal thing or whatever it is but um i think it stands on like the cheesiness of those two genres to have like a really big impactful note backed on by some kind of synth or orchestral arrangement it's just oh oh it is i keep doing the okay symbol i don't know why i keep doing it it's an audio podcast fuck's sake um but yes i still think on palimpsest his he's still got a higher range which might still be putting people off but there's fucking all sorts of different vocalists now running around these days you should be able to pivot and coordinate around them to find out what you want and if you got this far with protest hero you're likely to be a fan of roddy walker's vocals and the other thing that protest hero always did really well is they were always a very technical band obviously um they they were on guitar hero weren't they they were on like i think guitar hero three or four and i remember trying to play them and there's a lot of notes there's a lot of notes and that was a thing of protest. So they slammed in all these notes. Anytime uh, guitarist Luke Hoskin could fit in a note, he would fit in three. But they didn't fall victim to what a lot of tech metal bands go through, where they were fitting all these, excuse me, all these beats, all these notes, all these um, different technical licks and riffs, fitting this all in, but still maintaining songwriting structure. Every song that they did it in, it still felt like a song. It felt like it had a verse part, a chorus part, a breakdown or a solo part. It still felt like a natural way for the music to progress, whereas a lot of bands just do, look, I'm a grade eight in guitar. Can you play songs? Fuck no, I can't. You know? And it continues on this. Luke knows where and how to slide in notes and extra little accents here and there um to like add to his playing but it doesn't take away from the song's direction or the song's rhythm and it works he works with uh protest hero's rhythm section which is um tim miller on guitar as said before mcclellan on bass and Herardi on drums it does feel like he's working with them as opposed to in spite of them which I feel like happens a lot in, especially modern tech metal sort of bands, um, the ones that came through as part of like that gent movement. And so yeah, as for the album as a whole as itself, again, The Migrant Mother, I love, I love a lot, a lot about that song. The intro, I just, you go into it and think it's just going to be another sympho kind of uh, introduction to a song that's been done a thousand and one times. But the way 
it just sort of carries on and the rest of the band building around it and it continues and you realize that it is an integral part of the song's makeup and again the 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 belting vocal on the chorus that is just backed up by that huge swell of um orchestral piecing it's just chef's kiss good because it just adds for the opening song as well to like set the standard of how impactful how dramatic this album is going to be uh or like the heights that they're going for i thought it was a fantastic start to the album um an album though which is if i say ended up for me being not hit, hit and miss um but the misses aren't bad if that makes sense it's just you've got really really good or just okay you know it's never it never really feels like there's a negative on the album per se um and yeah i found that i really liked that the symphonic elements were still found throughout the album um on rivets which is the album closer it just adds a little bit of bombast to the chorus and rivet is a really fucking good song um, little accents on all hands the way it plays uh, i think it's a song where it play uh, sorry i think this is the song where the orchestration follows the rhythm section in the same way as metallica snm sort of thing where they had a few songs where okay yeah you've got things like battery where it adds to the song and you've got some other songs um one that can't come to my head right now but they sort of just like they back the song but it mostly just like follows it or like copies it shadows it sort of thing all hands does that which still works really well because if it's anything like snm snm is fucking great um and little snakes was the one where as opposed to all hands where it like backs up the rhythm section this just felt like another part or like it almost just like fell into the rhythm section like even further down the pecking order than the bass and you know compared to all hands and rivet it wasn't as good and i don't think it was as effective it was still a nice little addition just to have that extra little layer to the band's sound but if you're gonna i felt like they set the standard on migrant mother on all hands on rivet to really have the orchestral parts be part of the song not just you know look what we can do sort of thing if that makes any sense um it's got me hankering for an album full of like symphonic math core now which i don't know how far away that is uh, i know some pro um, prog metal bands have got like synthy swears going in now but like a full orchestral part um or, like a full orchestral layer to a math core album yep please and all the orchestral arrangement credits go to their orchestral arrangement producer there we go uh mele petzeltsaurus which i know for a fact i pronounced that wrong but i tried um who's got previous credits uh with intervals on their album circadian crazy 88 on their album burning alive and he's got his own personal band an atmospheric symphonic prog rock outfit called the framed effect so if you end up going in for plimpsest and you enjoy the um like symphonic technical elements they're the ones that you want to go to to like the next step i guess and i think i will be take going along there soon because they've just released a new song uh tail end of last year which makes me think there might be 
some kind of a new release coming soon uh, for this year. So yes, definitely, definitely get myself on board with that. Uh, the album as well has got like little sort of to go along with its to go along with its symphonic elements. Uh, it's got a bunch of couple of interludes. Uh, it's got harborside, mountainside, and hillside. Of course, um, I don't tend to care too much about interludes. I always find like I never, I never look at an album and think they, if they didn't, if they weren't here, this album would falter. I always find that they're either just a part of the album or they take away. They just feel like part of the album. They feel like a natural part of the album at that because they do follow the uh, symphonic motif, where it and so like. You go from one song; it's got like a slight um, orchestral element. You go into go into an interlude where it just like beefs that up, and then it slowly dies down on the coda, and then it goes into the next song. It works well, you know. I'm not. If they got removed from the album, I wouldn't be upset. I think between the three of them, they make a what's that? One minute, one minute eleven. Four. So they make about just shy of three minutes of the album of a 52 minute album. You know, if they did uh, crush off, I wouldn't be too upset. But yeah, they're a nice little addition. They do, again, they help out with the flow of the album, and yeah, I, I said before it was a very hit and miss album. The first half of the album is definitely much stronger than the second half. On first half, if we have soliloquy as the mid break point, "Migrant Mother" is a cracker of a song and a cracker of an opener. Uh, from the start, from the sky, it's also very good. All hands spoken about before, where it's got like a very S and M feel to it, and I'm always going to be a big fan of that. And Soliloquy as well, also a very good song. Uh, at least for me, I've seen a few people online uh, really not like Soliloquy, and I just thought it was, you know, wasn't the best song. It's going to be either River or Migrant Mother, but I didn't think it was like awful. Um, so they're on like first half of the album. That's tracks one to seven from eight to thirteen. Little Snakes is really disappointing, as I said earlier. Uh, there's nothing in Rivery for me. And then you've got two other Interlude songs. Gardenius is okay. It's one of the best songs on the second half of the album. River is a fucking great song. Um, I think it's it was very good for them, or very profitable for them, to have that song at the end, just to end that album and the album on a high. Um, I think there's a great little ending. And yeah. I just think it's again very hit miss album. It's definitely like a a strong seven, maybe put um pushing up higher, but definitely around a seven mark. It's the first protest album. I remember going trying to get into Volition a few times, and I gave it a couple of listens, but I think just at the time, two thousand thirteen, I'd have been nineteen. I feel like I'm about to start start to sing that song from Simpsons when he's just singing about beer. Um. Just trying to think of what sort. Of, I would have just been about to start uni, and I, yeah, like techy mathy stuff wasn't wasn't really my deal. But even with like the explosion of Gent, I was constantly trying to like listen to Gent and like get into it. And yeah, like, yeah, I'm one of the cool kids. I'm hip on trends, and it just wasn't doing anything for me. So would have tried Volition. Probably wouldn't have done anything for me. Uh, I've never actually gone back properly on Kezia or Fortress, despite how many forums were saying they were so good when I was growing up, because I'm a piece of shit. Um, but in terms of like Process Hero as a whole, I've got 
like a very mini greatest hits of them. Uh, Clarity, C'est la vie, the Drumhead Trial, like the occasional song here and there. Having this as the first full protest album, it is for me quite a strong album to get on board with. Um, from what I've read online, to go from here, best place would be like apparently Volition is like the weakest of the protest back catalogs to go from here to either I'd say Fortress first because Kezia I did have like a brief scan through yesterday and it does seem to be like a very post hardcore and very math core shouty kind of album as opposed to now where it's very technical prog um so yeah maybe fortress then kezia but it just depends what you're into um based on the snippets i've heard from all albums it does feel like this is like a very natural progression for the uh, for protest the hero uh i'm missing an album aren't i it's protest the hero kezia fortress volition and oh fuck scurrilous which has got two songs i've got favored on spotify including c'est la vie that's awkward we'll ignore that part um but yeah in terms of the bits of process hero i've listened to i think is a very good progression and a very good evolution of the sound i like the symphonic elements i hope they keep them around to make them a big part of their overall sound from the songs of protest hero that i'm aware of they don't really use that much synfo sort of stuff so I'm hoping they can keep that around. Um, slightly symphonic, technical, uh, progressive metal. It is Palimpsest. I think that's the right word. Uh, the fifth studio album by Protest Hero. Go check it out if any of that sounds like your cup of tea. Right then, let us continue with the second album of the week and the second album from Tasmania, Australia's Beatdown Hardcore mob alpha wolf the album is called a quiet place to die it came out the 25th of september uh, it is their first album to feature a new vocalist uh lucky keo and their new drummer mitch forgarty i i really don't know if i pronounced any of those names right i feel like even mitch i probably got wrong <clears throat> um i've had a pining for like a really really decent brand of like beat down hardcore for a while now uh, I feel like a lot of it is because uh, following Code Orange and like what they do, they've got like a beat down portion of their sound combined with every fucking thing else. Um, but I was trying to find something that's more straight ahead, beat down kind of stuff. Um, Year of the Knife scratched the itch a little bit. Uh, they're a fun band to listen to, but they have their moments where I feel like they're quite bland like better than what a lot of what i listen to knock loose did literally nothing for me i uh, something about blue the album that came out last year year before i thought it was bum i just no actually no that's cruel i, I won't say i just thought it was bum. i just i just got nothing from it it's not like i remember at the time because it was when i was um reviewing things a bit more regularly i went to write my notes and i just i just don't know what to write because it just hasn't there's nothing there for me it just hasn't done anything which is you know it's one thing when you go to write out notes for an album and it's like there's i don't know what to say other than it's just all really really good but when you go to write it after review 
and you can't even say like it was shit because xyz you just gotta sit you just sit there like it was 40 minutes of music like oh man that's not good at all so yeah i've been trying to look out for a aggro beatdown hardcore sound for a while and between Bandcamp and a friend of mine who's a lot more into hardcore music than I am, I like that uh, beatdown metalcore, deathcore sort of new new metalcore kind of kind of scene. Um, between them, it all led me to uh, Alpha Wolf and this new album. And Alpha Wolf are part of these this like Australian core scene, which is just absolutely fucking wild right now. You've got Die Artist Murder, you've got North Lane, you've got Parkway Drive for sort of like the upper echelon sort of thing, and then like just underneath the surface, you've got Ocean Grove, you've got Polaris, you've got Thornhill, and there's bands that go even beyond that. I know a lot of the beatdown uh, new metalcore sort of stuff that I was looking at. A lot of it was coming out of Australia. Um, so there's like a huge scene uh, down there that's just itching to explode and become the next you know, big cultural scene for music, if it isn't already. Um, and Alpha Wolf sort of occupy that niche of like groovy new metalcore. Um, it's the way I've described it. It's groovy metalcore that's sending leery notes in class to new metal, um, which made sense in my mind when I was writing this up at one o'clock in the morning. And it's progression of the deathcore sound on their first album was a mono. Come on, Spotify. Yeah, first album mono. Um, or even before that, actually, shit. On Origin, of course. Um, that's just a straight-up fuzzy deathcore sort of thing. They get a little bit of bounce in mono. And, like, early seeds of what they do on Quiet Place to Die. Again, on the follow like, the Stopgap EP Fault. A lot more... Mi- new, a lot more metalcore-y. And then we're up to a very... It's a much more polished sound. The production is a lot more better on this album. Um, and just... It's weird just to listen to. It's a lot cleaner. But when they go for like the really dirged, uh, really like blown out sound sort of thing, it still sounds very crisp. So it's like to make it feel like it's obviously it's meant to be sounding like that instead of it's just they kicked over a microphone and thought that would sound really, really good. And for the album itself, it felt like kind of a slow start. Um, I'll forgive the opening track, which is the title track as well. Just just sets the premise for like some stompy, stompy, stompy things. Um, and it's ultimately quite unmemorable. But again, I gave it, I wrote it off because it it's just an intro track. You don't really have to pay too much attention. Um, and then into Creep. And then this like screeching feedback guitar effect which the band use a lot throughout the album and at first it's quite annoying but once it settled in it i actually do find myself enjoying it um and yeah having that over like some stomping riffs yeah it was all right but it just felt really disjointed i feel like they were relying on that like start stop riff effect a little bit too much not to the same extent as a code orange where they'll stop a riff halfway through do something spooky and then carry on again this is literally that's just like dun 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 
dun, 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 dun. and it's just there's and it, it's one thing to have that kind of guitar riff but when you've got the bass and the drums and the vocalists all stopping as well so you just keep getting this like uh fractional seconds of just complete silence it's just it's just very like again very start stopping it's just it becomes quite annoying after a while because there's no flow to the song there's no direction um so yeah i think to me creep is uh, a bit of a write-off of a song but then you get to golden fate isolate that's where for me the album really starts kicking in the midsection of this album is really really strong uh, from golden fate isolate all the way down to ultraviolet violence um there's a playful drum, uh, new metal drum intro that goes into the chorus. Um, the drop on it doesn't matter in the end. It hits so fucking hard. The chord progression, the chord scaling on that for, on on the chorus itself is amazing. But when so like at the start of the album, it's like but like that little drum drop. It doesn't matter in the <laughs> that hits again it hits really hard but when you've got like the rest of the song playing and then you've just got like a very very quick drum uh drum roll again and then halfway through the song the chorus comes back in it just seems to hit that much harder because you're once the first chorus hits and like the make the song begins you start settling into okay this is gonna be this is a aggro new metalcore kind of thing we got going on and then when that boom explosion style effect hits that's when it's like, oh, fuck. It's just, yeah, for me, it just hit a lot harder than um, the opening chorus. And the, I think there's a third chorus in there, and it's the same thing again. Um, and the problem that Creep had, where it felt like very stop-start and it was quite empty because of that, where they've got that, that screeching guitar effect and they put that over the whole thing, it's sort of like layering over the top of the whole sound it makes verses sound fuller because now there's always something going on, even when everything else is doing start-stops off that, like, sort of thing going over the top. It just feels like there's still something there, there's still a song there, and something as simple as that was holding the song together quite well uh, by skin of its teeth, admittedly, but it was still just grab it on. Um, from there, you go into Akudama, which is, the, like, I feel like the lead song of the album. I'm pretty sure that was, the out, that was a song that was out on... Bandcamp as the preview of the album and got me hooked in, and that's it. Akudama is an undeniable highlight. It's a little bit more up tempo than uh, Golden Fate and Creep and the intro. Um, and the the different effects and different techniques. You got a lot of stop start. You got a lot of screeching. You got um, like different scaling and just you don't need to tell you don't need me to tell you the different things you can do with a guitar. All of them coming together and clashing together. And the music video as well, I found... Um, I don't know if it was like an intentional thing or not, but the music video for Akudama has got loads of different visual effects. You've just got them uh, playing on a rooftop, playing in a studio. You've got like an like anime effect. You've got uh, like 90s digital effects. You've got very much more modern digital effects. You've got CGI sort of stuff. That's sort of like clashing of different visual styles i feel like echoes the different audio styles and different playing styles of the guitarists in the song as well again i don't know if that's just a happy accent or not but i feel like they bounce it's a clever synergy between 
video and song. And they drop off the like chorus shell, like ah, ku, da, ma, oh, boom. That really hits as well. And that's the whole point. Of this, I feel like this kind of genre, just to get those bits where you sort of build up and then you just got knocked flat in your ass by how big uh, the sound of the band is. So yeah, Akudama, very, very good song. Acid Romance, over to me, just didn't do anything. Um, of the midsection that I was talking about, I say Acid Romance is a bit of a lull. So uh, go from there into Rotten Pieces. <coughs> Excuse me. And on paper, Rotten Pieces is the kind of beatdown that I've been looking for. That I was starting to say at the start of the review. Um, it's got pacing, which is much more hardcore, rooted, so it's a little bit up, more up-tempo. There is a filthy guitar tone. Um, it does like etch into the world of gender at times, but I feel like it's like an explosion effect, similar to what you had on uh, Golden Fate Isolate, that sort of like effect with the guitar. It just aggravates the your eardrums, but in like a really, it's kind of like a massage. Massages hurt. That's what you felt like, oh wow, I feel like a million bucks. That's kind of what this effect is. It's just like aggro in your eardrums. When you like take note of it, it's like, oh, I, I needed that. I just needed someone to kick me in the head. It's therapeutic, bro. Um, and the chorus for the song itself is just where they've got, instead of like, I'd mentioned before, like that screeching guitar sound that just like carries over from like part to part to part. They've got a full uh, like chord progression part that just feels up fills that wall of sound and with that it's just a much more foreboding much more intense kind of chorus and i think it works fucking wonderfully i'd like to have seen more of that kind of thing throughout the album instead of like just raw um having something like that where it gets a bit more like dramatic like borderline doom metal sort of pacing but it's just this constantly something happening um yeah, really, really big fan of what they did with Rotten Pieces. And I wrote down Ultraviolet Violence has a similar sort of vibe. If Rotten Pieces, for like the beatdown hardcore that I'm trying to find, was the speed side of it, and then the stomp comes second. Excuse me. Ultraviolet Violence is the stomp side of hardcore that I'm after with the speed side second. If that makes sense any sense it's the most um it's got a very look at the wrong note there, i'm sorry uh, it's got a very minimal verse um it's very slow it's like a run to one two riff uh with dabbles of electronica and something in the background and then it just expe explodes is what i'm trying to say explodes into this uh really fat chorus fat with a ph to make it extra cool um that would easily fit in i wrote down and i still agree with it now Fits in easily with something from All Hope Is Gone by Slipknot. That sort of like very uh, crunchy groove. Like, like you can feel the fingers pressed down on the fretboard for each individual riff. Or like as the riff progresses. And yeah, line it up with uh, something like um, Psychosocial or uh, the song All Hope Is Gone. Or maybe even Dead Memories as well. Just line up with something like that and I feel like they are 
like this could easily settle in as well. Uh, Bleed for You is a great little detail. I felt like it was a very necessary detail for the band to show that they're not um, that one-dimensional, that they can only do this like beat-down kind of sound. Um, it's the most traditional metalcore song on the album. It's got a very clear verse-chorus, very melodic edge to it. And melodic, the melodic edge is throughout the entire song. The female vocals suit the song really nicely. I feel like it's a really nice juxtaposition against Keo, who he also maps his voice to meet the song. So he's not just he's not still going like the microphone is halfway down a certain he's screaming into oblivion. He has got a bunch more it's still a harsh vocal, but it's much more pronounced now. It just sounds more like kinda like Ollie Sykes on There is a Hell. It's still uh, a crisp, it's still a harsh voice, but he does enunciate a lot more. I feel like uh, Lockie does go through sort of steps on, or those sort of depths on Bleed For You. Of a weird comparison, or weird like, I remember when, Bleed For You reminds me of a TRC song um, from the 2013 album Nation. There's a song called Between Bridges. And it, it if, if you're unaware, TRC were a... I think they still technically are around, but they just don't do anything. TRC were a uh, rap metalcore group, or rap hardcore group that was out around, around the turn of a decade. And despite being termed rapcore, they weren't that shit, or at least I didn't think they were. And yeah, they had a song on Between Bridges on Nation, which in itself is a really, really good album. Uh, it was good at the time. I haven't gone back to it. It might be shit now. Whatever. It was fun for the time. Um, really fun album called Nation. And there's a song in there called Between Bridges. And you've got like... Almost sounds like a 90s Gwen Stefani on there as well. And the way... The very... The slight delicate echo of her voice. And having that kind of very like emotional, very clean style of vocal in amongst... It's very aggro, hardcore, and even on Bleed For You, it's not aggro compared to the likes of like Akudama or Rotten Pieces, but still not exactly fucking the Rasmus. Yeah, I just felt like they were kindred spirits as they were. And I have no idea why my brain went to there, but if you listen to both songs, you might hear it too, because, you know, that rap course, very, very like blinking your miss a rap course scene, which I think was pretty much... TRC over here and Stray from the Path over in the States and that was it. Stray from the Path? I always get it mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. I always get those like group of bands. Stray from the Path. The guys who did Her name was Amber. Blah, blah, blah. I'm getting sidetracked. Anyway. Compared to songs, I might be talking shit. I'm definitely talking shit because I'm trying to remember rap core bands from 2013. Um, but yeah, Blue For You, the most traditional metalcore song on the album. Really nice uh, expansion of the sound. It gives them like an extra feather in their cap. Really, really fun. And from there, the album kind of peters off after Ultraviolet Violence. Um, and again, it's not necessarily anything, bla- bleh, anything bad. It's just the final three tracks, nothing grips you the same way as that middle section does. Um, the mind bends to the will of its own. It's fine. There's a lot of like really fun. There's nice blast beats in there. Um, 
the fact they were doing that sort of thing, I kind of wish like more songs had something similar. Um, but outside of that, there's nothing really holding the song together. Uh, restricted. R18 Plus is probably like the closest that you would get from those final three of being a, what's considered to me a good song. Um, there's a lot of really good riffs in there, but they just seem... It seems like there's a lot of good riffs that would have turned into like three, like two or three really good songs instead of just like sort of mashed them together. And then Don't Ask, I haven't even got a note on it. Oh, there we go. Don't Ask is the odd one out. Uh, oh yeah. So Bleed For You is different, but fits the theme of the album. And it feels like Bleed For You feels like it was a song that the band wanted to write that was against their uh, natural sound or their, the sound they built up. Don't Ask was the song it felt like they were told they had the right. They're like, we need another ballady sort of song on there. Go off and write one. It's like, well, we've got one. We've got Bleed For You. It's like, I oh, know we want another one. But we're, we're not feeling it. It's like, no, you have to fill a quota. Go write a slower song. And it, it just does not feel very natural to the rest of the album. Again, to compare it to Bleed For You, I never, like, listen to Bleed For You. I was like, this is a fun little melodic interlude for what's been just... 30 minutes of getting my head smashed in whereas don't ask was like is this are they it's a cover is it you know is it a bonus track or is it something like that so yeah i don't feel like don't ask was a worthwhile addition to the album but yeah that again it's it's that's what the fun thing with reviews it's all down to personal taste uh overall this is a fun little album and there is a lot of fun to be had if you're a fan of like putting your head through really hard objects, um, it's a music to make lots of gurning faces too. It hasn't quite scratched that beat down itch that I was looking for. Um, I feel like if they made an entire album of Akudama, Ultraviolet Violence, and Rotten Pieces, different kind of review, but then that would sound really weird. Um, yeah, it's. Their second album overall, first album with some major uh, lineup changes, so I can give them some credit. And yeah, if you are like me and you're trying, if you're already into like the beatdown stuff, this is gonna, you are just gonna chaff your dick to this. Don't know what that means. Um, and if you're like me, you're trying to get into the scene, trying to get into that kind of scene. I think this does a lot better job than. Um, knocked loose. I feel it's an even better step to take than Year of the Knife. Year of the Knife, go for it. They don't care about you or your life. Um, whereas with Alfwolf, because they've got a song like Bleed for You on it, they do think like, all right, let's let's give them something. Let's let them like catch their breath a bit before we knock the last teeth out. Um, so yeah, it's a great little intro into that kind of sound, and I hope. At some point, like I say, from Alf War, you should try this, or maybe you'll figure it out by yourself because you're all big grown-up boys and goyles. Um, but now, A Quiet Place to Die is the second album from Australian uh, beatdown hardcore mob Alf War. It is out now. It came out in September, so you probably already know about it. But yeah, good fun to be had by all. Let's move along then to album number three of the month. <coughs> Oh, excuse me. I've not long eaten, so I've got something stuck in the back of my throat, and I sound like a rag knob. Album number two, 
for the Swedish hard rock mob, The Hawkins. It's called Silence is a Bomb. It's a follow-up to 2017's Ain't Rock and Roll. That's just what it's called, Ain't Rock and Roll. Ain't Rock and Roll what, lads? Ain't Rock and Roll what? Um, that album was particularly fit, um, had a breakout hit called Fuck You All I'm Out Here, which is actually a really, really fun song. Kind of cringe, but good kind of cringe. Um, the album came out the 4th of September 2020. And I listened to this album by mistake. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, one of my uh, ever metal assignments was to cover a new release by The Hawkins. And I was like, sure thing. Uh, gave it one listen. I uh, gave. Rumor? Oh, Cut Moon. It would have been Cut Moon Bleeds. Gave Cut Moon Bleeds a listen. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll listen to this. Last thing of 2020, yada, yada. Um, and it wasn't until I was like, finished this the album was about to go through and do the review for it where i looked and it said no it's not science is a bomb it's their live album live in the woods which came out this week i was like oh oopsie whoopsie uh so i got like a bonus album out of it uh science is a bomb by the hawkins and it's a happy little accident it's a happy little accident um it's a the band sound is a cacophony of like glam hard rock rock and roll and those things together can be super cringy, and a lot of stuff that Evermetal has, where they get a lot of uh, classic rock and a lot of AOR stuff, it can really be really cringy. Anything that goes near AOR is really cringy. If you're making a band up at the moment and you're thinking, "Hey, what if we tap into that boomer? They all miss. I don't know." They all really like Bon Jovi, but now even he's too heavy them kind of sound. Let's do AOR. Don't do AOR. Don't do AOR. Leave it in the past with... Uh, was it Rainbow Dio's band? Did you make them? Yeah, it was, because Richie Blackmore took over. Leave it. Leave it in the 70s. They can have it. No, don't do not do AOR. Just, just don't do it. Anyway. Uh, I've lost. Yeah, there we go. So whereas like a lot of bands who go for that kind of sound, they're like glam, hard, rocky, rock and roll sort of thing. They just want to sound like Queen. I feel like the Hawkins have gone a slight different direction where they've acknowledged Queen is... Well, they've acknowledged their appreciation for Queen and how instrumental they are to each uh, band member's like way of playing or way of performing. Excuse me, but they have acknowledged that they are an influence and they're not the target, if that makes sense. They don't want to sound like Queen. They want to sound like the Hawkins, who just happen to be influenced by Queen, I think. Um, they've just take, they've taken a lot of like the first, third? Basically, the first, the early Queen days of like Queen 1 and 2, News of the World, that's that, that kind of thing. That hard rocky sort of thing. Uh, Killer Queen as well. Uh, put in some alt rock, some garage rock, and a bit of blues in there as well. They reminded me on that point of like being Queen but not to Aaron Buchanan and the cult classics, which is a bit of a niche comparison, but I remember seeing Aaron um, and the cult classics a few years ago live and... I even made note then is like he's got such a 
presence and bravado on stage where he wants to be on par with Freddie Mercury, but he's still making sure that this band sounds like them. And I kind of get those sort of feelings from the Hawkins as well. Uh, to a lesser point, I'm probably more like no name. Uh, the Darkness as well. I know the Darkness really wanted to sound like Queen, but they knew where to start, where to start, where to make it the Darkness, and where not to make it the, the where not to make it Queen. If that makes sense as well. You get it. It's not Queen, but it's similar. Um, I think it's been really well produced. It really accentuates um, the crunch of the guitars against uh, the gristled vocals of Johannes Carlson or Johannes Carlson. It is. There's a lot of like glam vocal hooks in there as well, just to like, the, it's the sort of like earworm kind of stuff where it like gets stuck in your head, and there's a lot of that sort of thing. A lot of it is like really cheesy classic rock kind of stuff, and it is a lot of earwormy kind of things, and it's really fun for that reason. Rumor is the f- album's first main track, and it is the disorder of that is everything I've just said. It's crunchy guitars, it's massive vocal hooks, it's a really energetic opener to set the mood for the album because it is again just like fast paced quite chill not, nah, fast paced quite chill that's the thing um easy listening hard rock kind of thing and then you get to high low which is like the third song in the album having said all that uh it feels like the hives covering latter day foo fighters so a very crisp crunchy kind of sound but it's just like very meandering very um melodic alt rock kind of stuff and it's probably the most emotive song on the album. It's a, it's a song about relationships and how both parties are always so strung up by what happens afterwards and etc. and etc. And it's just, it feels like a little lot to have it so early in the album. Like I said, the rest of the album is very, um, quite gung-ho and very punchy and very like toe-tapping kind of thing and head bop. So to have something like this quite early, I described it as it's a song for a road trip where it's just like, you're all chilling out with mates or it's the after after party song maybe even like the morning after where everyone just sort of like a bit leery and just like chilling out and you know they're all just like chatting in the front room everyone's got like bottle of lucas in they're all like man that was so dumb what we did last night and they're like yeah bro i haven't been to a party in so long i don't know what they're like so this it, this is kind of the vibe i get from it which I don't know. It's a fun song. Don't get me wrong. High Low is a really, really good song. It just... I don't feel like track three was the best place for it. And then that's just me. The one-two of Cut Moon Bleeds and Libertine shows off Carlson's vocals at their best. Cut Cut Moon Bleeds. Excuse me again. Uh, Feels like the song for the band. This is going to be a song that is a staple of their live set. It's going to be what's... Like, if they do go the distance and you were talking about... Well, I'm talking about them, like, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years down the line. I feel like this is going to be the song that, like, plagues them and their, like, greatest hits collections all that time. It's a very explosive kind of song. It's got this massive, like, sing-along chorus. Again, even without hearing it today, I can still hear it in my head. It's very um, ingrained, I guess you'd say. Libertine is a very, very good example of modern rock. Again, a really big chorus. Um, and I've put waste no time compared to um, Cut and Bleeds. I feel like Cut and Bleeds does t- like to... It's not a slow song, but it's... How do I put this? There's just a bit, bit more melody to it. 
it's still a punchy like upbeat kind of song but there is a bit more melody to it whereas libertine likes to just go at it there's a lot more energy to the song and yeah carlson's big vocal injections in the chorus really help it bring come together and penultimate song fisherman blues is the last song that i really want to focus on because to me i think fisherman blues should have been the song to end the album it's another great really punchy song and it has a sense of finality to it like it's got a massive song on chorus the uh, tempo gets brought down again um again it does feel a lot more like an after party song or um a chill night drinking with friends kind of thing i don't know what people listen to at parties anymore um it is yeah a lot relaxed while still being energetic uh, which i know is a really pa weird paradox but that's the kind of vibe i'm getting it's a gradual breakdown um to the final section of the album but fucking final section of the song it just like deteriorates slowly and it yeah it just feels like this is a really good high note to end the album on and then all my birds are dead comes in and it just it feels like a bit of a, a damp ending a bit of a flat note but you know i don't know if anything changed last minute but to me fishman blue should have been a song that ended the album and yeah they're the songs that like really highlight for me again it's such an easy going album there are a lot of albums especially coming up at the moment where you have to put so much um thought and process into each song whereas a song like the, or an album like this comes along and it's just it's just so easy going i always feel like that sounds like it comes across as a diss it's absolutely not when you've got something like protest the hero and alpha wolf where you have to put so much thought into what's happening around you silence is a bomb it's just like just let it wash over you the same way a lot of people think to acds these days where it's just it's easy going hard rock you can just you can focus on it you can have it on the background you can relax to it you can ha um, have fun to it it's just one of those albums um, the good bits are, not, are really, really good. So like Rumor, like Hilo, like Cutman Bloons, like Libertines, like uh, Fisherman Bloons. The bad bits just sort of fall flat again. I think All My Friends Are Birds. Nope, that's not right. what it's called at all. All My Birds Are Dead. A bit of a damp way to end the album. Um, I didn't feel... What is it? No, Stranger Next Room, I remember. I just didn't think it was... You know, as fun as the rest. Black God, I think, was one where I don't really have... Again, it was a nothing song. Minute could have been a really fun song. It could have been a really good song, actually, if they stretched out. I know they were trying to be cute by having a song called Minute. It opens with a song, Give me a minute now. And it is literally 60, 60 seconds long. I, I get all of that. I completely do. I just still think probably a bit poo compared to if you stretch that song out to even like two minutes and just have a really upbeat garage punk kind of song. That would have been a great addition to the album, but that is me. Um, but yeah, great to have in the background. Great to have as like something to um, work out to. It's a very versatile album. It's work out to, vibe to, uh, hang out with friends when we're allowed to again. You know, it's again. I always feel bad for saying there was just albums that are simple and easy to listen to. It's not a dig. You just you just need that sometimes. It's it's fun. It's fine. It's cool. It's fine. It's cool. It's fine. It's probably not fine. They're probably gonna come for me now. But that was Silence is a Bomb. It's the second album by the Hawkins, Swedish classic rock or hard rock, whatever you want to call it. A lot of rock and roll bouncy vibes. Uh get it. It's really, really good. Really, really fun. Um and definitely not as shit as I've made it sound to be.
Right, let's get on board with our fourth album of the month. Oh my god. So, <coughs> excuse me. The album is called Enjoy Yourself. It is the debut album by the band Melted Bodies. They are from Los Angeles in the California in the America. It came out the 18th of September. Um, I feel like these last three albums came out within like three weeks of each other. Uh, I They are mathcore? Question mark? Uh, yeah, so anyone who has heard this album, uh, Enjoy Yourself by Melted Bodies, will know or will hopefully understand why I'm really like haphazardly trying to open this because where the fuck do you even start with an album like this like broadly imagine if Devin Townsend Mike Patton from Faith No More Mr. Bungle and Jello Biafra formerly from Dead Kennedys imagine if those three guys were all tasked with writing a Dillinger Escape Plan album and the maddening, maddening consequences that that would inevitably cause. Um, each song feels like it exists in its own musical realm, uh, and yet, despite that, even though like there's no, I, I think it was like um, the Alpha Wolf album. I read a review that said no two songs were the same, and I disagree with that. Bringing that quote into this context, into this album, that no two songs are the same, 100%, absolutely. There's nothing, there's no two songs in there that sound remotely the same. Um, I mentioned in the Protest the Hero review that there is an art in mathcore and tech metal of bouncing from part to part to part, to genre to genre to genre, while still maintaining song structure. And somehow... This wacky, barbaric, fucking weird album has that in space. There's so any song. It's an album where any song could have been the single, but it still wouldn't give you an idea of what was to come. Uh, 99 Cents, we'll start with. Uh, anyone who's listened to Italian prog mathcore band, uh, Distrage, fucking great band. Uh, 99 Cents has a lot of those kind of vibes, a lot of the Strage vibes. It is industrial, it is metalcore, it's got a bit of thrash in there as well. Um, it kind of felt like a personal attack because the song is all about uh, consumerism and materialism. And it's like a spoken word part, which is very pattern-esque. Um, you know, getting, is it getting laid off from a job. Um, I don't need it, but I want it. It makes me feel special, and then inevitably you get it, and you feel a little empty, and that is like the twofold thing with materialism. You want something because it's shiny, you get it, and it's like, ah, oh, well, now I've got a thing. Yeah, cool, I guess. Uh, so can relate those vibes. The ending has got possibly the most frustrating thing in recorded music second most frustrating thing about this album somehow which we'll get to um but it's got a conversation between two women i think one of them's paris hilton although i'm not too sure um but it's a conversation about how let's think so 
we went to the mall and it was the recession or something and so everyone had no money because they were afraid to lose their jobs and the jobs weren't paying because they didn't have any money from their their higher ups so everything was on sale everything you could have gone for the entire day shopping and still had time the second day for uh, it aggravated me so much listening these two women go on about how like the world was like on its ass relatable and no one could spend any money because they thought what if i get like let go next week i need to pay bills need to put food on the table and they're like oh shopping like oh my god it makes me so blindingly angry every time it comes on and because it's such a great song it comes up on my shuffle quite a bit and I listened to this album a fucking fuck ton. So I constantly had to hear that back and forth. I was like, oh man, I can't be doing this. This is this is agony. But they fucking kept it going, didn't they? And they fucking kept it in, the fucking bastards. Uh, and like, so from that aggravation of a very, very good song, you go into Add People. And that ricochets from like a Death Doom sort of thing on par with like Asphyx. And you got thrash, you got metalcore, and then you've got synth pop in there because why the fuck not? It's lyrically very, very clever as well. It addresses the like plaster effect of trying to like you know think happy, be happy, which we all know is a crock of shit. Um, how many people were depression? Someone comes up and just cheer up and like, oh thanks, I fucking fixed everything, you cunt. Um, and like it's that whole thing of I don't know if I'm like thinking too deep into it but the perspective of like social media and like the popularity of social media um only spewing out the happiest the most attractive people and the song just goes like we only want we only want the beautiful people stay the fuck out ugly people we only want the positive people uh fuck me fuck you stay positive and they just like keeps repeating i can't stay positive because the world's beginning to rot i can't stay positive because the world begins to rot fucking vibes bro you can you that that hurt my heart a little bit yes that's yeah that's a good that's a good modern day commentary and it's in a song which is fucking astounding and it brings me on to the first most aggravating part of the album which is the music video to add people and whoever made that is the cleverest some bitch but also, is this, there is a particular place reserved in hell for whoever made that video. Because, um, again, going on the social media uh, commentary idea, it is an attempt at a music video that is constantly, constantly getting interrupted by ad breaks. Um, especially now, like, with actual YouTube bringing in, like, rolling in ad breaks halfway through a video or like a quarter way through the video depending if it gets like too long um i feel that like there is more ad breaks which is just the four members of the band being dicks um i feel like it's more that the actual song itself and you've got and you've got the um the lower third ad where you usually like cross out with an x i i tried to fucking close it and i paused the fucking video because i thought it was legit i'm so angry with myself that i fell into that trap you motherfuckers um it's it's just full of clickbait and it's full of ads that you can't get rid of. You're just trying to enjoy the song and have a good time. You'd be out here being attacked. 
but I feel like again, it's just it's just all part of the theme. It's just all part of the story being told in a song where it says, "I can't be positive because the world's gone to shit." Even though all Instagram wants to show me are people like sunbathing in their gardens. Uh, funny commercials and the five week migraine goes from like surf rock to synth wave to grindcore. Um, Club Anxious is where like the Mr. Bungleness really, really gets switched on. It opens as like a really scathing Nintendo core kind of rager. Evolves into this really super chill uh, new wave kind of thing, which is where like the Devon Townsend stuff comes in. And it's like a call and response spoken word verse. And the chorus explodes back into like this really venomous shout um, that's complete with like a very Mike Patton esque vocal delivery. Um, and it's just the song itself. Obviously, Club Anxious being trapped in a mind mindset riddled with anxiety. Again, fucking relatable. Uh, the Rat is part Converge style metallic hardcore, part 2000s indie rock, part 80s goth pop. Uh, the Abbott Kitty uh, pedophiles, d- despite the lyrical content and the name of the song, is the absolute fucking best. I love this song. It's so good. Again, a s- an insanely rabid intro, a surreal, like, spoken word delivery of the song, which reminds me a lot more of Biafra. Um, and it's explaining, like, it, Biafra, because like, it just goes into explaining, like, how he likes his coffee and how he. he um, his car isn't electric. Um, I can't remember any of the lyrics. Um, I woke up, my alarm clock went off, and I turned my alarm clock off with a bop, 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 because just, that's just how it goes. Um, I like to start, I rolled out of bed, make my way upstairs, make myself a coffee. I like coffee to start off my day because that's how um, shit gets done. I prefer the pour over method. And then we talk about his car. It's like, I got in the car, I turned the key, and I felt a sense of guilt because my car was not a not an electric car. My car is not an electric car. What is it? A hybrid car. It's just a shitty car. But I want to get something nice for my sister. It was her birthday, so I wrote, took a trip down to Abbot Kinney Boulevard. Da-da-da-da-da. And there's like, and meanwhile, meanwhile, there's still an underni- underlying narrative about pedophiles. You know, there's a part of the song where it's like, I saw a child and I saw a man with a $200 pair of sunglasses and I knew what I had to do. And then I can't make out what the lyrics are afterwards, so I'm left to my own devices of what that might be. Um, this is an album that's so self-aware that isn't, whilst not being completely abstract and devoid of sense, um, it doesn't take itself too seriously whilst being incredibly dark and sinister at times. It is a fucking brilliant album. It's so wacky. It's fun without being silly. It is just so fresh, yet just experimenting with different ideas. It's a massive, massive fucking whirlwind of experiment and ideas, actually. Just trying to see what works and somehow everything does. It's a four-piece guitarist, lead vocalist. Uh, bassist, drummer, and a keyboardist, synthesizer, programmer guy. And it's just, I, God, it's so good for a, a totally different kind of sound while still using a lot of stuff rooted in like known genres. It's, it's so great. It's such a clever 
idea and i i thought this was an album that like was exploded i looked at their facebook page last night and they've got 700 likes on there which is just insane to me each like the most played song is what's that 13,000 13, 13.8,000 plays and that's for ad people which get Advocate Boulevard Advocate Pedophiles got 5,000 plays fuck you all uh yeah for an album that sounds like nothing and everything you've ever listened to in your life uh enjoy yourself the debut album by LA noise math fuck you core outfit melted bodies it's fucking amazing oh god and if that album if melted bodies puts a big old smile on my face like it has done respire will do the same but give me depression which is the last album we will talk about for this month it is the third album oh god i've lost my spotify come back third album by Toronto-based post-black metal and then some outfit respire. It's called Blackline. Uh, let me just... I didn't pause this time to make a drinks break, so I'm going to have to bark and wing it. Uh, this came out the tail end of the year, the 4th of December, right about when I was like, wow, I need to really cut off my album of the year listings. I mean, to make sure I've got a grasp and everything, so let's, let's just put a stop on here and everything else and catch, catch up to later. <laughs> excuse me um first of all i want everyone to appreciate the lineup that respire has so bear in mind there's crossover so for example one of the vocalists well both vocalists is a guitarist but you know that sort of thing they have three guitarists this is their main band three guitarists a bassist a drummer two uh, primary vocalists and a violinist and of the core set there are one two three five six people and then you've got like a reser- uh, Respire Reserves team or Respire like B team, which consists of two trumpeters, a saxophonist, uh, three additional vocalists and a musical programmer. Again, there's a lot of crossover there. Um, their fucking tour van must be a bloody removals lorry with how much equipment and gear and people they have to take from show to show to show. And I've seen like pictures of them performing live and they do get like, there's a, the, the picture I use for this month's uh, playlist, um, they look like they're on the ground, but they've got like the core band and they've got one of the trumpeters on stage with them. And in the music video for, uh, I don't know how to pronounce, Cicatrice, um, song number three on the album, um, he's not there for half the music video. And then when it's his party comes in, he becomes a integral part of the band for the rest of the song. You know? It is a wild, like really unusual setup they've got as a band. And I will get into a bit more um, how the violin affects the sound because God does it. And I've called them like post-black metal as well. There's a lot more to the band's sound than that. It's post-black metal. It's screamo. It's a bit post-hardcore. There's a little like edges of like punk rock in there as well. It's all very good and very emotional. Um, I half listened to their second album, uh, Denouement, which I've probably pronounced wrong, uh, from 2018. I remember finding it really late in the year, again around album of the year time. And I think around that sort of time, I would have been starting this podcast as well. So that's probably why I didn't give it much listen at all. But I do remember giving it the one or two listens, thinking, this is really, really neat. I need to give this a proper listen to later. 
And for three years since, it's been sat in my to-do list. So for that, I'm really sorry, Respire. Um, please do forgive. And it's so good. Because I remember listening to like the drips and drops here and there. I was like, I just need to give this time and give this my energy. Because I can tell there's something good here. It's rustling my jimmies in all the right ways. And I need to find out why. Um, but it's great to see, even without my very important proper listen, of which I've, every band aspires to have, so many people were, expi- uh, were excited about this Respire album. And I saw such an influx of like build-up for the album. So many people were tweeting about it, posting about it on Instagram. That was really, really refreshing. Excuse me. Um, and yeah, that was... With the world as it is at the moment and how it's affecting live and new music yeah it was it was a very nice thing to see um i touched on a minute ago uh labeling it post black metal it's being a lot more um i had to like write down a separate thing didn't realize i did so you got post black metal you've got like a black metal kind of sound you've got hardcore you've got orchestral and you've got screamo and it's not the screamo that everyone thought fucking like escape the fate was or um i was gonna say fake komodo yeah, fake Komodo as well. This is like 90s Screamer where it's like hardcore but it sounds like it's been recorded on an old tape player that's being set on fire. Um, except this time it's got a pretty decent production job. The, the loud bravado that comes from post-black metal and you think it is an extreme an extreme metal style that's got this like huge swathe of emotion and clarity from the post-rock elements that get involved into it. The loud bravado of all that flourishes with a dedicated orchestral element. Even at like the most basic times, it is just uh, violinist Eslyn McKay. She does so much for that like post-rock or post-metal, whatever you want to call it, that like post-sound to the overall makeup of the band sound it is insane like she compliments the wall of guitars just as much as the wall of guitars compliment her um and when it's just like as is so common with a lot of like post genres you've got that like that dip where it's very like idyllic it's very for like a better term it's plinky plonky um oh there's like a lot of like very gentle ambient sways of whatever they're using to create those like kind of sounds when it's at that point and it's just McKay with her violin, it is so haunting, but yet so beautiful how she's just like commanding the sound and just like floating from like note to note to note. Uh, the violin is definitely the most goth instrument, not the most metal. The saxophone is the most metal um, instrument, but the violin must be the most goth. Um, second place probably goes to the cello. The full string and brass collective set up the album with blight so wonderfully it is like sharp blast of instruments just like i've just taken the all, all the majesty and the beauty out of it but that kind of like it's sharp but it's not aggressive but it's still getting you into the vibe of this is a, going to be a aggressive like a very attacking kind of album sonically um it feels like it's building up to the very stoic fight where it's like dark clouds and basically raining of a tv show like a peaky blinders or a game of thrones sort of thing 
Um, the first song, Proper Tempest, just evolves as a song as it goes along, and it's really fascinating to listen to. It starts out as just a, basically an outright black metal doomer. Um, it has like a cooling off period, which is very post-rock, very orchestral sort of thing. And from that break, it just transforms into this like shimmering metal dirge, and it sounds wonderful. The violins, again, sitting an octave higher than the gloom of the very like bass heavy and bass led guitar parts um eslin just ha- being at that pitch higher it just the, the clash sounds so nice and sounds so rich musically rich uh and that's that whole thing where it's like the violins against the guitars that's kind of like the constant battle well, sorry, that constant battle is the spine of the album. It is a beautiful tragedy of the violins and like the whole brass section going against the rumbling evil that majorly is the guitar parts. And both sides of that coin use the weaponry of the vocals and the drums to each of their side. So, track three. Uh, which was the lead single and definitely like one of the standout tracks. Um, it really makes use of like that extended sound. Like, sorry, really makes use of an extended sound. Um, you've got like rhythmic clapping to like carry the beat into those like really um, minimalist breaks, and then where they've used like dueling harsh vocals in like the first part of the song when you've got this like very minimalist part to use the weapon like vocals as a weaponry you've got one vocalist who maintains um like a harsher sound and you've got one vocalist who is more um kind of like emo yell it's cleaner it's a like cleaner vocal style but it is like there's so much energy to it it's kind of like uh the dan campbell uh or i can't remember his name but leasing of spanish love songs where it just sounds like they're on the brink of crying that kind of thing and that's how again the tragedy and the evil work to get like work against each other using the vocals to like carry the end or carry the mood of the album if any of that made sense it made sense in my head at least um and yeah, I think that those the that influx of like a more raw emo kind of vocals really, really um worked well and made Sigatry sound like such a bigger song than it already was. Uh Zach Buggy of Dead Press described Tempest into Sigatrice in particular as Lovecraftian opera, and I think that's such a great and fascinating way to uh describe those two songs because I feel it, I just think it's so accurate and so nail on the head. Uh, to move on like further on the album, Embers to End, a there is a short transition midway through the song, which differs a lot from like the post-rockian nature of the rest of the album, which I really really liked. Uh, there is like a bass lick from Ben Oliver, respires bassist, Obs, and then their drummer Travis Dupuis. I really hope I got that name right has like a very snare heavy drum roll and then the f- subsequent beat after that has like a way more like punk rock kind of vibe i'm definitely into it because if you want to like combine dramatic orchestral music thrilling like post black metal with like 
energetic punk rock. I'm always going to be about that life. Um, to to our dead friends, fuck me. That is a painfully, painfully emotional song. Um, it's short and concise in comparison to the rest of the album. There's only two other songs uh, that's shorter, and one of them is the intro. It is. It has like a shadowing, clean vocal. And for whatever reason, I think it sounds like a female vocalist. So I don't know if that's one of their extended family. I did have their names with a minute ago, but I closed the tab. Um, or yesterday, sorry. They do have like additional female vocalists. And I feel like it's one of them. If not, it may be Eslin herself. Um, and that very innocent sounding, very clean, harmonic female i really hope it's female now female vocal just sort of like floating over the top as that how the harsh vocal of the song it made me think of like is this meant to represent like the friends that are gone they're the innocent voice like they're like the more angelic voice so to speak and that kind of threw me out a little bit um because it is with the context of the song and the context of the, rest of the album it's so harrowing to hear something that pure go like even in the background of a song like that. And the final verse just, just sends you. I, I remember reading through the lyrics last night. I could feel myself welling up, which makes me sound like a right dick. Um, to all our dead friends, lost to stars, you shine so bright. They couldn't see you, yet they're so blinded by the fight. The world's a desperate place. We're not built for all the light. You dreamt life could shine softly at night. I think that's just fucking wonderful horrifying and so sad but so so beautiful um that idea like obviously friends lost their like friends in the stars um wanting to see to, but this is like my interpretation wanting to see the light through the trees but they just couldn't because of all like um the mental health issues that have been plaguing people um this past year especially but obviously for years and years and years trying to see the light through the trees and just could never do it because of that like bleak outlook that mental health gave them um and as bad as the world is getting it may be just it some people just choose not to i don't know just just can never seem to get there there's always something stopping them and for some people just gets too much and that's why you know the the light shines brightest at night that's kind of what my take is like friends who just can't make it despite their best efforts and it's if it is that and i've read into that correctly it's such a sad sad narrative but it's something that is unfortunately very familiar um and to be worded and to be delivered like that is such a testament to Respire and how, again, the delivery of that really innocent, very pure vo vocal along with a very dispar like disparaging, um, like raptured vocal as well, like them duetting or shadowing each other. It is so done so well and to such a high standard that it is so, it's just worth gawking at uh, in a morbid kind of way and then the final song in the album catacombs part two again 
beautifully sees off the album. Loads more. It's very violent, heavy again, which I've become such a big fan of. And it is such a gradual build. Um, it's the only song on the album where I reckon you could incorrectly i i'd hasten to add but you could argue that there is a certain level of crescendo core to it because it is just like a despondent angry opening third and then the second third is very like quiet very minimal it's that's like for me the part of the song that's very reflective you're angry and you're letting all your aggressions out and now you are excuse me you are reflecting back on that trauma and reflecting back on all the things just just happen in that final third that's a slow rebuild that's like the gradual increase back to where you should be and the fact that the song like almost has a hard cut into rain is haunting it's so good it's such clever like storytelling through song of i've got any of that right or that's just how i've interpreted the fact that i can interpret it like that show that they are they have like this energy for storytelling i feel like i'm like trying to defend aew um in wrestling just how they like can con- control and draw stories out from next to nothing and how it makes you really think um this album is an absolute journey which i know is a really wanky thing to say and i hate myself for saying it but there's so much emotion it's romantic it's so brutal and aggressive all at the same time every single song has a vibe of that even blight even Blight, which is just an orchestral brass part. Um, to borrow again from Zach Buggy at Dead Press, I will link his review because obviously he's done a better job at talking about Blackland than I ever did. Um, it's as if a screamer band wrote the scores at the end of the world, encapsulating all of the apocalyptic chaos and final fleeting moments of beauty within a sonic structure. And again, that it's as if a screamer band wrote the score to the end of the world that is so spot on especially with that um that cut in catacombs where it builds up builds it builds up the stag creeps in and then boom and then it's just rain and the one final uh quote i'll leave is from respire themselves it's from their band camp we are not defined by the ugliness of this world but by the beauty in our hearts strike your match and set fire to the world to, to that which rots us all um and again, I thought that was a lovely little final motif from the band to post and to like live their band on and live their band ideals on. This album is fantastic. All these albums have been great. But Black Line, um, if it came out like even a month before, I know some people were like scrambling to get it in their end of year list. If it had been out a month before, this would have top 10 top 5 top 3 for a lot of people including myself it is wonderful it is if you are god please be interested the third album from orchestral post black metal screamo outfit from canada respire with black line it is out now it came out in december go and go and find it um you i do not think you'll be disappointed at all and that is it that is it for the month of january they are the best parts of the month but before we go away i will just point out that i have the greatest hits of the month so all the things that i've just talked about there plus all the stuff that i just listened to throughout the month again it's mostly just been getting rid of all the last minute stuff from 2020 that i never got around to um 
so we're just going to quickly blast through that to show the sort of things you have an offer and hopefully something in there that piques your fancy and you want to go take a look at so just had a sip of water and oh fucking let's go so you've got afi everyone knows afi gothic tinge alt rock stuff they haven't got an album name announced yet i know they got like a 2021 release date uh sorry 2021 release year don't have a specific date yet but it's gonna have an album out this year um i've got twisted tongues on there alpha wolf you already heard about bouncing new metalcore shenanigans architects the brand new single dead butterflies um in lieu of their album which is coming out in three weeks from recording i think three four weeks um i think so i wasn't very keen on animals at all i'm still not black lungs i kind of thought was a bit of a dud as well but then it has it's a massive grower i really like black Lungs now and dead butterflies is a massively emotional song probably more emotional than i think oh actually i was gonna say more emotional than i think they did on holy hell but i'm a backtrack it's very it's at least on par it's at least on par so the new architects track the avalanches they were a very experimental very influential um hip-hop act from the early 2000s had an album out in 2001 they had a falling out came back in 2016 uh and then the third album now which is called we will always love you it is a lot more spacey a lot more ambient than what i had before so i'm not kind of into it but two songs on there we go on and take care of in your dreaming which has denzel curry of all, uh, among the other people give it a go if you like your hip-hop to be weird and wacky well not wa wacky weird and ambient i guess a lot of sample stuff very they the whole thing with Avalanche is they were very, very big in like sample hip hop kind of thing. Uh, averted, gent, old school, gent, metalcore sort of thing. It doesn't make sense to call gent old school, but I have a review in full on Evermetal, which makes sense of that. Buried Alive, which is the like latest um, like viral thing in the alternative world. It's they've thought that's a husband and wife duo the latest song blood orange is amazing they go to like a much more rap core sort of thing but the sort of things the i think his name is charles excuse me the sort of things he can do with a guitar is just overwhelming to the point where even tom morello was saying yo you're pretty good dude and he's like oh my lord because as you would be if tom morello's saying you're a pretty good guitarist um it's the, the way i thought about it in my head is imagine if hollywood undead were good um that is buried alive at the moment it's not gonna be for everyone but just like the sheer guitar playing is worth taking note of camellia if you like to have your head fucked by heavy metal camellia is sort of like the electronic version um he uses uh death step which is a very um aggro version of dubstep as drum and bass as edm there's heavy metal um house trance it's got it all breakbeat it's a massive head fuck oh my god like i had to do it in like two or three stages but uh chronial zero that's the album i've got on there that's there is an out an act that i've been wanting to try and get into for a while i think it might even be too much for me because i want to have some very aggro dubstep i think this might be a little bit beyond but the songs i've got on there still worth listening to uh crosses a side pressure from Gene marina of deftones they seem to be coming back soon this year uh crossface 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 Japanese electronic core. I think everyone's heard of them by now. They're very, very good at what they do. Or at least they were. Uh, this is probably the best thing they've released since Xeno in 2015. Cult Burial. They are a black black and death metal group from a place I can't remember. I am on course to do a full review for Cult Burial. 
uh, for Evermetal as a spoiler, they are really, really fucking good. Uh, along the lines of Behemoth and that kind of world, give them a shout. Uh, Dead Slow, one of the things that were in my Spotify discovery, if our memory serves, they are like a groovy heavy metal sort of thing. They were, I think they got described as like heavy biker metal. And for me, biker metal doesn't always sound particularly great, but they're actually pretty decent. I kind of want to know what happens from Hoax. Hopefully it's an album or an EP. Uh, external. Spacey, ambient, prog metal. Always, always worth giving time to these day and age. Flesh God Apocalypse. Holy fucking shit. I, a weird... I think this came out like... I found this on... New Year's Eve. Literally like an half hour till the new year. Uh, Flesh God Apocalypse. Italian symphonic death metal troupe. Did a cover of Eiffel 65. Blue Dabba D. And it's actually really, really good. And I hate that I like it, but... Yep. Uh, the Hawkins, we talked about today. Swedish uh, classic rock sort of stuff, but in a modern setting. 100th. Making loads of waves in like the indie pop... Sort of, well, not even indie pop, but like the floaty, spacey, indie, whatever, pop, rock thing. Uh, a friend of mine was really into him. Give him a shout. They're okay. A really nice thing to have on the background. Really nice thing to chill to. Ishan, the legend himself, new EP, Pharos, more just like uh, technical, very intelligent technical progressive metal. Got a song in there with Einar Solbo from Leprous as well, and that's always going to win me over. Josh A, emo rap or emo pop rap. Um, if you like Wickerface Springs Eternal, I think this would be the next person you should go to. Killer Be Killed, Reluctant Hero. I didn't vibe with the second Killer Be Killed album as much as I did the first one, uh, which is a damn shame. I really like everyone involved in the out in the band, but there were still a few songs where I was like, "This, I can just take these and run. Um, so the two I put on the playlist are Filthy Vagabond and Reluctant Hero. Kairos are, imagine if, well, it's a very, very, very Devon Townsend heavy kind of sound except probably a bit more prog rock than prog metal. I fucking love this. Uh, the EP is called For Fear. They had an album out tailing last year as well. I plan to go back to. They are insane. Oh my God. I They've got, I've got, sorry, a review coming out on For Fear coming out soon. Again, I'll never metal. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, Lamb of God. Pro, possibly one of the like, weakest album they've ever released. Um, I feel like I keep, Every time I try and listen to a Lamb of God album, someone says that to me. But Memento Mori and Off the Hook, the best out of that album. I didn't really vibe to it too much. Their latest um, self-titled. The Living Tombstone. People of a certain age might remember Living Tombstone. He did a lot of music for YouTubers and for the Five Nights at Freddy series. Um, he finally released his debut album, Zero One. And for electronic pop rock, it's actually fucking great. It's the most cheery I've ever heard. I just can't wait to die sung. So, yep. Uh, Matt Mays, experimental or like very intricate uh, acoustic rock sort of stuff. or like Acoustic electronica, maybe. It's really fun. I, I keep just saying that, don't I? Um, again, one of those albums where if you pay attention to, you can unravel it and find layer upon layer over layer. Or you can have it on the background and chill out and do weeding that's all uh melted body spoke about today fucking great oh my god love that album the network uh the 
definitely not Green Day's side project. Their album Money Money 2020 that came out in 2004. Uh, I remember being really, really good at the time. This, less so. But I still got to find two songs on it for the playlist because it might not be for me, but it might be for someone out there. New wave sort of stuff mixed with punk rock. I've got Theory of Reality and Ivanka is a Nazi. Uh, the Odious, which is a really leering doom metal, prog metal sort of thing. They have a cover of Sick Man, which I believe is um, Alice in Chains, providing I haven't got mixed up with someone else. Uh, Operation Hurricane with white walls they are another band who i have a full review for for their um their debut release what um yeah, try it again their debut release white walls i have a full review for, for them on ever metal do go check that out uh fans of like modern grungy alt rock so like foo fighters quotes uh um who else are compared them to they're ba- they're like combination of like grunge stoner and alt rock and a little bit of punk in there i don't know why i struggle with that so much considering i wrote a fucking full review for him but my ep sounds better than i do trust me um uh, process hero classic well not really classic um and not quite legendary either very very good a very very uh, the fucking symphonic prog ah uh, it's so good uh respire a just beautiful tragedy of post black metal uh, Slaughter to Prevail, it is the song that has exploded more than anything else in the past month or so. And their song Demolisher, which has some insane uh, deathcore vocals. Do give that a shot. Probably the best deathcore vocalist since Mitch Lucker. Uh, 10,000 Crows. Nope, I missed one. Suffocate for fuck's sake. Very post-rock, post-hardcore. Uh, being as an ocean, but good. 10,000 Crows, horror-inspired deathcore. And Wayfarer, Americana tinged post black i consider like a bit of like psychedelic post black metal in there as well so that is everything that's in the greatest hits of january 2021 next month uh what have i got lined up to listen to i want to get that fallen limbs album out the way sleeper vessels and so far on the to listen list you've got well i've got new tribulation album where the gloom becomes sound uh fuck up by the dirty neil something in russian by bovard uh, the new Weezer album, OK Human, Fractal Generator with Macrocosmos. Uh, Sound Ancestors, which I might do for this. I don't know. Basically, the way it's going to go work now, the way reviews going to work now is just my favorite albums from the past month. So there's just the things I've got coming up to listen to, basically. Mad Lib, um, Super Experimental Hip Hop. And I've got the likes of fucking... Uh, the Sonder Bomb, Dreamcatcher, Portrayal of Guilt, Stephen Wilson, Grimer, Cheekface, Terminal Bliss, Baldame, Raljan, Raljan, sure, The Black Black Yon, and Arlo Park. So I'm not going to be kept too bored now, my boy. Uh, plenty of good things coming out. Um, well, plenty of things already come out this year. Plenty of good things to come out later on in the year. I've been rambling ever since I got the last review out of the way. Do do please come say hello and talk to me and make sure that my opinions on music aren't completely shit or tell even better tell me what i can improve a lot of my review stuff is coming out through evermetal at the moment i will always post them so do keep an eye out on social media channels um at desolation pod i'm trying to think of new ideas for the podcast so keep an eye on that as well 
any ideas, throw them my way. Just come chat to me. I live alone and I haven't been into work in nearly a month. So I could desperately use some human interaction. So keep yourself safe for the love of God. Keep yourself safe. Wear your mask. Ignore the government. They're a bunch of fucking cunts. Look out for each other. And I will hopefully see you soon.